How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Green and Black Podcast. We make our triumphant return from our quick little uh, break that we had due to Thanksgiving and other uh, circumstances. This is Tanner Hayworth, senior sports writer with Kaleo, joined by my hardworking and just all-around great guy, sports editor Reese Nagaoka. Reese, how you doing? I'm good. It's been a while since I've seen you, actually, because we haven't recorded for, what, two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the first time I've seen you in person for... And and the and the bags on my eyes probably look a little darker than usual <laughs> <laughs> to show that time has progressed. And another thing to show that time has progressed since the last time we talked, the football season's over. Yeah. Yeah, it was an unfortunate loss to the San Jose State Spartans and Chevin Cordero. We didn't get to do a little bit of banter about Chevin Cordero the week before, unfortunately. No one will ever be able to hear that, but you will be able to hear it next year when we do play them again. Uh, uh, that'll be here too, right? Yes, that'll so be a that'll home be, game next yeah. year. But as we look on from the 2022 Rainbow Warrior football season, I feel like the energy around this program, I think the I think it's a lot higher than what it was last year. Even though at this point last year, there was all the talks of, oh, what if we can get into a bowl game because there's not enough bowl teams? Uh, and that excitement was mostly like, God, I really hope we don't get the bowl game. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that agree that it's like, we don't, one, we don't deserve it last year. And two, it's like, these guys are definitely not going to enjoy it. Also, by the way, as I talk about that, happy one year anniversary to the Twitter space. <laughs> This yeah, happened was... to the day last year on the day of Chevin Cordero's transfer. So that means it that should be probably right around this hour is the year anniversary of that Twitter space. Yeah, I, I just that changed the football program. I mean, this entire week one year ago was like wild because I think it was what about. This the this around this time, Chevin Cordero has probably one of the best games of his career against Wyoming. Right, gets named Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week, and then enters the transfer portal about twenty four hours later, and in turn, Twitter Space, which sets off this massive, massive just, domino chain. Yeah, and it's we wild. had Leonard Lee come out and you know talk for his guys. Gets I who I remember there was one Hawaii player that was actively really trying to defend Todd. I can't remember who it was at the time. But of course, you know, Leonard Lee speaks out, then he gets kicked off the team. Uh we saw Day Day Hunter who had transferred the day before. Uh the days following was uh Cam Lockridge. The weeks following was Nick Mardner, Jonah Laulu, Justice Devai. We can keep going. And eventually then came the thing that we all dreaded in the uh <laughs> Kurt Favela, we don't need no cheerleaders. <sighs> <laughs> and eventually leading up to Todd Graham's resignation, which was on the same day that I came back to Kalea after, after my like semester off. This was like the most absurd thing, too, because this was during a men's volleyball match. <laughs> like First serve was literally the same time they like announced it. I remember getting into bed at around that time because I was just so tired, and I looked at my phone, and I saw the email from like UH, and I was just like, Okay. We we gotta do something. We gotta right? do something because at that time it was just Yumi and Bodhi, 
and I knew Bodie was probably at the game. He was, I think he was covering men's volleyball. <laughs> so that was wild too because we were like, like, oh, we we can't believe this is happening. And then all of a sudden, Diego's like, here's the photo you use. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. I'm I'm glad that we all that we got to experience the. I wouldn't say. I, can I say it? Can I say the excitement of seeing Todd Graham resignation? And then the even more chaotic week and a half to follow after that, where it was the head coaching search. Will it be Rich? Will it be Timmy? Will it be some other guy? June. And then June came in and said he'd like to coach. And then Rich was like, well, I'll take my name out of that and I'll follow June. And then there was the whole meeting between Dave and June. And I can't... Well, I can't remember what June's agent is. It's the guy it's, that um, was um, Lee Steinberg, right? Yeah, Steinberg comes out and tweets about it, and then the next day Timmy got hired, <laughs> and it just kind of felt like, okay, we can have a break, except for Timmy because he couldn't have a break because then it was signing period, practically two weeks right after he got hired. So he, I think he's just been on since like what the middle of january probably like january and like he probably got like a day of rest in between after the san jose state loss he probably came home you know got back with the chain gang enjoying his like probably day okay now it's time to go on the recruiting trail again let's go now it's the real recruiting period now you got more than two weeks we're heading off looking ahead into 2023 and also very excitingly an earlier spring schedule I uh, I had heard because Timmy was talking about it last night at Call the Coach, where they're expecting the spring schedule to start like in the middle of February. Really? Yeah. That, that, that'll be interesting. I, I am curious, probably be at the... After the Super Bowl. After Super Bowl? Okay. And then I was told that they're also going to start um, expansion for the Ching Complex. In January, January right? 4th, I think. So... If people don't know, if you've not been to T.C. Chang <laughs> Athletics Complex, uh, fun fact, uh, it's more than the 1,000 seats it was two years ago. <laughs> it's been kind of kind of stuck at 9,700 for the last two years due to uh, supply and chain shortages. But uh, due to a due to a agreement from the uh, Board of Trustees, they did uh, say, yeah, let's go ahead and get this up to 17,000. Um, do we know if that's just going to go to 15 this year and then 17 later or? Oh, I can't remember. I feel like they've talked about this before and we should know. Cause this. I remember this conversation happening that it could be a plan of getting to 15,000 and then to get to 17,000, they have to do something about the permanent structure at TC Chang, the, uh, the original stands. Can I call them that? Yeah. Uh, it, cause no, cause you have to do. So that's the thing because when you, exp- when, when you look at the diagrams from the board of regents meeting, right. You're probably going to have to build over it at something yeah. at some point. Because I thought they were just going to not like tear it down, but like do a lot of heavy modifications to it. Yeah, that's what my understanding. I thought they were going to do stuff where they put like maybe but, like a bar or something. And, and what's crazy to think about that is the plan of the the board of regents. Sorry, I called them the board of trustees uh, before, but no, it doesn't matter. The the board of regents also with that plan accepted a whole new renovation process to take. To level out Cook Field, basically, and make that into the track slash soccer kind of area. So, and once the new Aloha Stadium is finished sometime in the future, <laughs> um, then those the extra stands would be moved 
to where the new soccer field will be on campus. So there's a lot of really fun like stuff going on right now on campus. As you start with that, they're going to get the video board from Aloha Stadium mounted on Les Murakami somehow. Uh, I assume what? it's... Yeah. Really? You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. This you didn't know about the video board? No, I just thought they just took. I just know they took forever taking it off. I know they're gonna. They're gonna. Ha- they said they were gonna do it before the twenty twenty three season. That's what. That's all I've heard. Awesome. That's so great. that's gonna happen. I'm sure they'll just probably get one of those, uh, those pull it wall stickers. They put it right <laughs> on top. of Les Murakami. Make sure no one pull on the tab, please. We got to make sure that tab does not get pulled, so that we don't have an entire video board falling on a bu- on the uh, away team during halftime. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a lot to be excited for for 2023. Uh, for, and like you know, first of all, shout out to the seniors that graduated this year. We're gonna miss them dearly. Timmy said, you know, they built a a great foundation for the brotherhood to start building upon and a lot of these guys also got a lot of postseason records from the mountain west including ill manning and caleb phillips both getting first team honors for offensive tackle and tight end respectively now if i went up to you reese at the beginning of the year and i said hawaii is going to get a first team all mountain west tight end this year I'm sure a different name would have been coming up to your brain that wasn't named Caleb Phillips. Yeah, I think we probably would have said Jordan Murray just caught based off of fall camp. And I'm kind of surprised Caleb Phillips got it. I mean, because first off, he wasn't even the starting tight end for UH at the beginning of the year. I think right. he, he didn't start until Duquesne or New Mexico. I believe it was like week. It was, it was, it was the fourth game of the season. Because it would have to be when they started moving Jordan Murray out to wide receiver. I think he's no. I think he started the fourth game. That's why. Well, he started New Mexico State right. Had that big game, but I think when I looked back, he didn't start the first three games. So he probably Duquesne right. That's the right. fourth game. But yeah, he started that. Didn't catch a. Didn't record a reception, yardage, anything, and then he just comes out and has this monster what, game. Hundred thirty-eight yards. Reception. Is that the best game from a Mountain West tight end this year? It might be. I believe it is the third best in the NCAA. Because I was going to say, do you think they just gave it to him based off that game? <laughs> <laughs> Seeing that as a third of his production this year practically came off of that New Mexico State game. Yeah, and I'm, I was honestly surprised. Well, I was honestly surprised to read that he led the Mountain West in receptions and receiving yards with like 31 and I think 317 receiving yards, which is surprising considering I think they had last year. We were talking about this. The Mountain West has historically produced a lot of great right. tight ends. You can look at all the San Diego State tight ends with like Bellinger and other guys I who the, I can't remember the names of. Was it Kahale Waring was one? I think so. And then, of course, San Jose State, they had a couple of good tight ends, you know, like Josh, Josh Oliver. Oliver. You had Cole Turner from Nevada. There's, like you said, Trey McBride from Colorado State. There's, I mean, this is a conference that isn't afraid to use their tight ends, but apparently this year, of course, the guy who came from the run and shoot and became a tight ends coach <laughs> in Nevada comes out and we get an all first team tight end. So maybe this is like good news for Grayson Morgan next year as he kind of becomes that sole tight end left in the system. Well, <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see how it turns out. I, I remember you telling me that Timmy Chang is probably they're going to probably go full run and shoot right next year. Yes, yeah, so, of course. So Timmy Chang last night called the coach when he was asked if we're going to get rid of the run and shoot concepts. Are we either going to go 
run and shoot or just just keep up with concepts. Timmy said, no, we're going full run and shoot next year. Now, what that means is we don't really know necessarily, but what's good is that they'll have longer than just a bye week to implement the run and shoot. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be fun to see. I think I know Timmy. He he's talked about it before. How much he loves his his tight ends because I think his quote was, "You get like a six four slot that mismatches against people," and you're gonna get that. I think with Grayson Morgan, Landon Simpson, definitely Devin Talaefa with um, six foot four, one ninety, right? So that's that's gonna be really good for. UH to see. I think this team is in a really good hands, I think, next year. I think for the most part, the only thing that we might be questioning offensively for UH next year is that offensive line, but Tanner, those the three the interior line is gonna be probably the strongest point of this team. Right, because you know, obviously the probably the biggest the two biggest losses is gonna be Micah Vanderpool and El Manning, who have been here for what, thirty years? <laughs> Um, oh, it was probably combined, yeah. Yeah, no. thir- I, I was thinking th- like 30 each, I, I think <laughs> I was trying to say. But um, <laughs> I think that's going to be big, for especially for our tackle spot, because we also lose Austin Hopp, who started every single game at right tackle. Um, whether or not you liked his performance, he was probably going to be our best tackle after El Manning because no one else really came in for either of them for much of the year. When you look at our interior, I think we're going to be all set. Because we know four guys right now that could start in the interior. We see Solo Vipulu coming back because he uh, hit that red <laughs> shirt. He redshirted, right? <laughs> so we did see him a couple of games this year, and you know he looks as good as he as he always has. Aliki Tonuvasa comes back next year, the captain. So that's already two guys who could play both guard and center. You have Sergio Musau and. Um, Maurice Taala, who have both played center and guard multiple times this year in relief of Stefan Bernal-Went. And they've had their successes both this year and last year because I believe Mo Taala had that really good game against Wyoming last year. And Sergio Musa has done his best in, you know, uh, I think it was in relief of Aliki for uh, much of the middle of the year. Yeah, and I think this is, it's got to give a little bit of credit to Roman Sapovu. I mean, he was this, this master almost a strategist almost. He was putting guys in at different spots on the offensive line, so they're way more versatile than probably, I don't know, it's hot to say that in the Mountain West, but they're very versatile overall. I mean, we only allowed 20 sacks this year, which is really impressive when you think about it, when you've had guys that don't really escape the pocket very well. Like when you look at the beginning of the year, you had Joey Yellen who basically refused to to make another step sometimes. Then you have Braden Shager, who by the end of the year really started to get more mobile, but kind of at the beginning of the year kind of was much like just, yelling, kind, yeah, of like, kind of stiff, kind almost, of stiff yeah. getting frozen in the pocket. So only allowing 20 sacks this year I think is really great, and I think there's a bunch of guys in the wings, you know, ready to make their mark, a bunch of freshmen who've been bulking up this year, as well as, you know, guys in the JUCO, in the JUCO world getting recruited as we speak. And with early signing period coming up in about three weeks, I think we're going to start seeing some names start to fly, especially on that day when it happens. Hopefully, we'll see, you know, a class where we feel confident about what we're seeing. And with the offense, the one thing that we're going to... I think the two positions I want to see the most are the ones we're talking about right now. Quarterback and offensive line. And when I mention quarterback... I mostly mean that in competition. As of now, uh, 
in the middle of us recording, we've seen Cam and Cooper enter the transfer portal. Well, we saw him in one game, and after that, he was basically over. So, when you look at that quarterback room right now, it's Braden Shager, Joey Yellen, and Jake Farrell. Because we see the graduation of Armani Eden. We have the verbal commit of John Kiavis Nogopolutele. And right now, I feel like that quarterback room is open for competition going into spring practice just due to the just due to just going into a brand new offense for basically a third year in a row for the University of Hawaii. Oh yeah, no question. I think it's I think Braden will get the sh- he'll probably get the first team reps yeah, right all the way he, to spring, he'll be right? the incumbent. But it's it's open. I mean, anybody could take it. I don't know what kind of signees we're going to get. You talked about Songa Politelli from Punahou. Um, verbally committed verbal, for now. Verbally committed for now. I have to preface that because we saw what happened to a verbal commit quarterback from last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think Braden has shown enough to where he's made progress necessarily, but I'm not, I think he needs to, we need to see more. And I almost think had he started those first, what, three or four games instead of, playing quarterback carousel with Joey Yellen. I feel like if the carousel wasn't happening, Timmy could have allocated more time towards Braden. Yeah. Because you saw in Mountain West play how much Timmy Chang and Braden Shager talked on that sideline. After every single drive, I just the first thing I always I saw when I could see <laughs> um criticism towards pay-per-view, just so we all know. Um <laughs> Is that you saw Timmy go straight up to Braden, or you just see Braden go straight up to Timmy and be like, this is what I saw, this is what I saw, this is what I saw. And Timmy knows that there's still development to be made. You know, a lot of the comments, he's open to making these comments. Last night, he said, you know, there are a lot of times in the games where Braden does give him the deer in the headlights look, but he feels confident enough to, you know, go up to Braden, tell him what he needs to work on, and Braden is good at being that sponge to, you know, try and take that in. So I think Timmy and Braden are probably going to keep working in the offseason when Timmy has time because obviously he is probably going to be more open to recruiting as well, recruiting the most important recruits that he sees. So I think I just want to see more competition in that room, whether it be a guy from the transfer portal again, whether it be a guy from the Juco route. I think this room is open for competition, and I think it could be very beneficial towards the guys who are already in the room to get even better because as we know from capitalism uh <laughs> competition uh breeds i don't know <laughs> i don't know I, I get what you're saying though i mean you you, you get I, I don't know if i want to use capitalism as an example i get what you're saying though you 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 get when you put set in... capitalism <laughs> <laughs> i get what you're saying though because when you put somebody it, it makes everybody almost work harder right. get better that sort of thing right and I think Brandon Shager is shown mentally and I don't know physically wise, but he is he's shown that he's ready to be the quarterback of right. the University of Hawaii, I think. It's just a matter of can he develop as time goes on. I mean, we've seen how much Timmy Timmy's expressed his love for Brandon, like on and off camera, on and off radio, everything. I mean, the dude I mean, the dude loves him, but so I think there's going to be a lot of confidence for him, for Brandon actually to, as um, you know, as we enter spring and I think Recruiting wise, what do you want to see? Because for me, I want to see a high school. I've seen. I want to see it where we, yeah, we get into the JUCO and the transfer portal. But how do you, so also you know, 
still have maintained relationships with the high schools here. I'd like to see a good mix, but I think for this year, I do want to see a lot more Juco. You do? Because I think with Juco, you get a lot of guys who are ready to compete. Uh, you can look at the Rolovich era. You look at our three best receiver, three of the four best receivers I can think of in that era of Jared Smart, JoJo Ward, Cedric Bird. All three are Juco guys. And, you know, apart from John Ursua, you know, these guys really came in, were ready to ball out. They got into the system and also, you know, got a little bit lucky with a gunslinger like Cole McDonald, mm-hmm. who, you know, despite some interesting, weird quarterback controversy that happened in the last two years, I think Cole McDonald was, you know, was there to give the guys a lot of really great throws. So I want to see guys out of Juco. And you got to also still recruit some of these high school kids because there are guys who can come out as true freshmen and ball out. We saw um, Tylen Hines come out and he got an honorable mention for the All Mountain West team. Peter Monoma, true freshman, also honorable mention. And there's guys that we haven't seen for a while. I think uh, Matangi Thompson, we haven't seen him in a long time. <laughs> I think he was going to redshirt, right? This so year. we're going to get him back next year. And for the first couple of weeks, yeah, he got freaking knocked by that one Vandy kid. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure he's not going to let that happen to him ever again in his career. Uh, yeah, and I, it's, I like that we're seeing this young core almost because when you we talk about it, I mean, we're going to have Matangi Thompson back. Peter Monuma is, like, like we said, a freshman. I think he's – I looked this up. I think he's the first defensive back – in the history of UH to get honorable mention as a freshman, which is impressive because that thing goes back to, like, 1980. Right. But, I mean, I think the future is young. I mean, we haven't even talked about, like, Mekki Pei. Um, you know, we still have guys on the outside. Like, I think Devin King is another corner. I think Jojo Forrest has him. Is he another year? Or I think so. I think the guy that was – that put out – that tried to get another year of eligibility was Malik House. Well, that's another so. name. But I think Malik is – I think – he has no more eligibility. Left. He's trying to he's trying to get like a red shirt from like a injury he had. In I Arizona. saw that, but I don't know if that went through. I don't know. It's also, a- let's not forget there's also another transfer from last year who was expected to get a lot of playing time in Mackenzie Barnes, who you know inj- who had that uh, leg injury after I think in it was spring practice. Achilles or something. An Achilles. Yeah. Because I remember we were both <laughs> at the practice yeah, when it happened, like- and just. I still remember, you know, obviously that guy is full of passion. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see him come out. And he's one of those Bishop Gorman kids. And as I talk about Bishop Gorman kids, we got three really great Bishop Gorman kids coming in with the verbal commits. With um, Jamie Otis, Aiden McCumber, and I always forget this guy's name. I've never been able to get this guy's name ever, but he was a nickelback out of Bishop Gorman as well, that I'm just excited to see this development of these kids, as well as I'm pretty sure we also offered another Bishop Gorman kid, and a lot of guys were very excited for it, all the uh, Bishop Gorman alums that we have on this (laughs) defense. And I'm excited for this defense, because this defense was really a catalyst for this Hawaii football team that really kept them in a lot of games. Sure, there were moments where they would absolutely break down you know you can look at the fresno state game entirely the first half of the utah state game where it was just like oh what are we doing but other than that they kept us in games oh yeah and i think one guy that we can say that we're just blessed to see is logan taylor that was that dude that's a if there's ever been if you look the look through the encyclopedia and look up the word dog the first image is Logan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's wild too because we're going to probably, I think Isaiah Tufanga also has a year left of eligibility. Right. So it's not like you're losing a lot in your linebacker core with Pene Pavi'i not with graduating. I mean, this linebacker core, I think, is going to be very, very experienced. I mean, we haven't even talked about like guys like Noah Kemma, um, Jalen Smith. I think they've red-shirted. Maybe they've played more. I can't remember. Right. But, I mean, this defense, I think, is just going to be generally like stacked. I mean, I think they made a lot of progress over these last nine or ten games or so, and they've done a really good job. Jacob Yoro and his staff have done a really good job. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just... Wow, I mean, I think this defense is going to probably be one of the better points or more established, I guess, is the right thing to say for 2023. That's my hope. Yeah, and um, like I said, just excitement for this defense. And we do see some guys that we didn't really hear the names of a lot because we do lose a lot of the defensive line of which I know has to be a main focus for this recruiting No question. Yeah. No question. Because we lose, we lose two very big big starters in John Tuitupo and Blessman Ta'ala. And, you know, and a guy who did do a lot of production near the back end of the year in Colby Wyatt as he made his transition to the defensive end, I think we're going to really see that absence. And having guys like um, Wyndon Ho'ohuli come back from injury because he's been out for pretty much the entire year. Everyone's like, where's Wyndon? It's because, you know, you're not allowed to talk about some things, which, you know, is what I hate about college football is how secretive coaches are. And I'm pretty sure it's like a HIPAA thing probably as well. But, you know, it's not like a whole thing of, oh, they just don't like what he's doing in practice. He's been hurt. Yeah, he just says in practice. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I, like... I, I had seen that some people were, like, confused about not seeing Wyndon. And it's like, oh, I want to say it, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. But it's the off season. Well, wait, well, how does this work? Because I was just like, I'm just under the assumption that he's just hurt. He can't play. I'm not going to say yeah. what he's hurt or anything. No, but. no, but all we know is that he was hurt and he's going to come back. There's a lot of, and there's another guy who was hurt in the offseason that, like, there's three guys that I'm excited to see the return of. And Mackenzie Barnes, Winston Ho'ohuli, and one guy who I really want to watch in this spring process is Chad Owens Jr., because he, you know, fractured his foot near the back end of the year. He made the transition from quarterback to wide receiver. I'd like to see what he does. And, of course, it's going to mostly be on the reputation of being Chad Owens Jr. And I think he's got big shoes to fill. Um, He could probably wear the same size shoes as his dad. (laughs) They're about the same height, right? Uh, Kind of around there. About the same height. About the same. I think Jr. might be taller, actually, isn't he? Hmm. So he might need bigger shoes than dad. But it's like we said, 2023 is going to be fun. We're going to see what happens in early signing period. And as, you know, as the regular signing period happens later in February. And then just some quick tangential news. Like we said, transfer portal so far for the University of Hawaii. Nothing too uh, terrifying has happened yet. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to really live up to the standard of 2021 when it comes to the transfer portal. I was going to say before we recorded this, I was like, you know what? Last year, I felt like we saw like five or six guys already in the portal by now. And I was like, we haven't seen anybody. And then Tanner shows me the tweet that Cam and Cooper has entered the portal. I'm like, oh, okay. So we have one guy. But I feel like we all could have seen that coming. Yeah. Just due to, you know, Joey Yellen and Braden Shager having the start over him. And, you know, he should get the opportunity to get 
find another opportunity to start. So I'm glad that he t- he's taking that initiative. Yeah. And it was nice to have him. I'll miss his mustache. I don't know why he shaved it. Did he shave it? He shaved it. I saw it on Instagram. No. And I was like, you know, maybe that's maybe that's what happened. Maybe he lost a little bit of that mustache magic. Man. But and then quick tangential stuff because this also broke as we were talking before the podcast. We were talking about, you know, the one time former uh, University of Hawaii wide receiver coach Brendan Marion. He's been in talks with Tulsa, and we were talking about other guys who have been kind of in talks for head coaching jobs. Former offensive coordinator in uh, twenty twenty, uh, GJ Kenny has been given the Texas State. Um, head coaching job. So you just want to say congratulations, GJ. We only had you for a year and maybe not the New Mexico Bowl in Frisco, Texas. Uh, we not we don't really know what the process happened, but I don't think I'm going to go further into that. No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about 2020, 2021. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations to GJ for finding that. And I believe, if I'm thinking correctly, so far transfer portal-wise for University of Hawaii, Cam and Cooper, Von Killens entered it like a couple months ago, mm. and then Sonny Semiatu and Ty Marsh, who, you know, that happened. Yeah. So that's what four guys right there, and if you look at probably the first four guys that transferred from last year, I would say so far, we're not doing too bad. No. The Brotherhood is staying strong yeah. so far. I don't have any wood to knock on in this room. <laughs> there is only plastic. It's just like plastic and metal. <laughs> But as we make that quick transition to the other sports that are going on, important game, marquee game, NCAA championships. The Rainbow Wahine are right now in Stanford getting ready for their regionals, uh, going up against LSU tomorrow at 2.30 is going to be first serve. Amber Ayajidi, Kaylin Alexander, uh, Coach Robin Amo and Kate Lang all come home with major awards and getting Player of the Year for Amber, Freshman of the Year for Kaylin. We got uh, Setter of the Year for Kate Lang and Coach of the Year for Robin Amo. Obviously, I don't know what else Robin Amo would have gotten there. And also Riley Wagner getting first team as well as, as Amber, I believe. And I think Kaylin also got second team. Yes, yeah, so I believe it's Amber, Amber, Kate, and Riley are first teamers. Yes, and Kate. Kate, and then Kaylin is second team and all freshmen, I believe. Right. But yeah, I mean, this is a <laughs> this is a really stacked uh, award list for UH. And to think that this isn't even the payoff year for the University of Hawaii. It's not. No. Yeah, because we only have the one senior in Milana Bird, and they're going up against LSU, who has I can't remember what they're ranked in. They're, RPI. 48th? I, I can't remember. They're, they're 15 and 13 overall. Though they're about, I think they were 9 and 9 in the SEC. So much like last year, we start the uh, NCAAs with an SEC team. You know, I don't want to be too cocky, but I feel like we should be able to be playing on Saturday against Stanford. But then you go against Stanford, uh, who is hosting the regional. And um, I think that this is going to be a good year the last year of learning for a lot of these players because that Washington game, you probably got a good amount of stuff. It was the last year for Brooke Van Sickle. And then this year, you're just going to get everyone back after this year, along with two new players. So whatever happens this year, I'm excited. If we lose to LSU, dang. If we lose to Stanford, 
we got to Stanford at least. If we take a set from Stanford, I'll be excited. And I think I was talking with Tiff Wells, you know, ESPN Honolulu play-by-play caller about the game. And if we had the opportunity of the four guy, of the four teams that are set for regionals, Stanford is probably the best poll. Yeah. Because you either have Louisville, which is two flights, Wisconsin, who's Wisconsin, and Texas, who's the number one team in the nation. So we probably got the best poll in Stanford because it's close. And it's apparently, I can't remember who was there who was reporting this, it apparently it's like, like raining like it's Seattle. Oh, that Stanford was, um, right that was Jason, right? Jason yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit of a deja vu for Robin Amo and their and her squad. I like how you said Stanford, but we can't count out Pepperdine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I not to be mean to the alma I mean, mater of Tiff Wells. Not to be mean. I think we should expect Stanford <laughs> to be coming out on top if Pepperdine gets through. Hey. It certainly makes me hopeful for the weekend. Oh, for sure. I mean... <laughs> we know Tiff Wells isn't going to be rooting for Pepperdine. I know he loves hearing that joke. He hates... The, the, <laughs> I feel like he... Like, didn't he tweet about that? He was like, this is like my favorite joke. How, who are you going to root for when it's Diamond Head Classic? <laughs> uh, when men's volleyball plays them next year? If they win, if they make it to the second round on on Saturday? like As, as insufferable as it is, it has to live on. I'm simply, <laughs> I'm simply keeping a tradition alive. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to turn, see. I, they all, they're all on ESPN Plus now, there, so you don't have to watch it on some Pac-12. Website. But you can still listen to it for free on ESPN Honolulu. That's true. That's true. And ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. And Tiff is very good at his job. Tiff, if you don't know, and if you think, oh, I'm too young for radio. First of all, the radio audience apparently is growing as. If you didn't know that, which is really interesting to think about in this day and age. We're also streaming on ESPN and Um <laughs> But Tiff Wells, I think, is one of the – I think is the best volleyball commentator. I think he – and I'm not saying this with any point of bias as an employee of ESPN Honolulu, <laughs> as the board operator for Tiff uh, for a lot of these games for the, the two and a half years that I've been working there. Tiff is awesome. He – you understand what's happening and, and how fast volleyball can get. You should hear him making these calls for men's volleyball because the speed of the game is drastically different when it comes to those two, uh, those two sports. But when you're listening to Tiff call out what's going on, it, it feels like I'm watching it. So if you, if you have the chance, tune in on your radio. I'm sure you could also download like an AM frequency finder app. I think I use that to like test our frequency sometimes. But we're also streaming, so that also works. You're also streaming. I, I understand you can listen on the ESPN app if you have that. You can. It's like some kind of weird thing if you click live radio. It depends. It depends. They have to. They have to plug into us because I know for Wahine basketball, the last couple of games, they've done that where they use our audio for ESPN Plus. Actually, no, that's no, no, for no, no, when for they're. The, that's when they're using. No, no, no uh, for the ES, So, like the ESPN app on mobile has this thing where you can click live radio, and it'll have like stations from across the country. So oh, that's nice. Like Houston, Chicago, Phoenix, and but you have Honolulu, yeah. so you can do that too. Just saying. Fun fact. Um, you can also listen to it on your smart speaker. But saying play ESPN Honolulu. Um, have I gotten everything in there? I think that's about. I think that's all the things that you. I can mean, use. if we forgot one, I, you can't really miss, can you? If because we said a lot, five different options you could listen to the radio. 
<laughs> I mean, you could just get a radio too. Who knows? Yeah, uh, tune in, you know, always. Yeah. But yeah, make sure to tune in, you know, root on the Rainbow Wahine because they're going to need it. It's a tough road, especially when you have to go against these really good teams. And I'm sure they are up to the task. Now, I would just like to say LSU or Hawaii, UH, knock on wood, 3 0 against LSU historically. Hmm, that's interesting. That's an yep. interesting fact to uh, go into the game with. Yeah. <laughs> also, fun fact Amber Igd from Louisiana. She said she grew up like 20 minutes away from LSU. Yeah, I think she's from Baton Rouge, right? From. Is it Baton Rouge? Baton Rouge? Or Baton Rouge? <laughs> Wherever they're from. I don't know um, geography that well. I thought I was, I was just like, did <laughs> I, I say this wrong? I, I, was will, like, I will say, I, I grew up. On a rock in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, geography is not my forte. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Sam, preach. Uh, so now going on, we I think we'll finish off this podcast talking about the, the uh, winter sports. Now, we are recording this day after probably a rough loss for the University of Hawaii men's basketball team against Texas A&M Commerce as the... Uh, Rainbow Warriors fall to five and two on what some will call a controversial loss. Um, I will call it that as well, even though technically by rule they called it right uh, <laughs> with a ball from the Texas A&M Commerce hitting a ref while the ref is out of bounds. But on the ricochet, Javon McClanahan makes a clutch three for the win. Unfortunately, hits the ref that's out of bounds right before he caught the ball. So they call it back, points erased off the board, and then we miss the game-winning three again. Someone call that controversial. I will call it controversial. Uh, Mid-Major Madness on Twitter calls it controversial. Did you call it controversial? I was just like, wow. Like, this was like, <laughs> I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the call. I just thought like it was just like, wow. Like The ref shouldn't have been standing there, no. I think, at the first place. But it was, it was kind of like what Artie Wilson said on Spectrum, like, the game should not have gotten to that point in the first place because, like... But what was good is, even though it was a bad game for Hawaii, in that last minute, they came back. Yeah. They were down, like, seven. And yeah, with, like, 30 seconds. With, like, 30 seconds left. And somehow got all the way back in so that it was a two-point game. And, you know, I'm excited that we can do that. I wish you would see that more the first half where we only scored 15 points. And... If I'm looking at two things, the one thing that frustrated me the most is the one thing that I hate hearing the most when it comes to criticizing teams. It really did feel like Texas A&M Commerce wanted it more. <laughs> and it's this is one of the phrases that I hate using the most because there's no way of proving that point you can just say it and people can be like oh yeah sure there were multiple times in the game where i feel like if hawaii if some hawaii players put in just a little bit more effort especially when it comes to chasing down rebounds because that killed us this game in our inability to out rebound texas a&m commerce especially with how good we've been as a rebounding team the last three years, I think that would have turned the game. And effort was something that was definitely missed when you don't have a guy like Beyond Riley playing due to his sprained ankle. 
Um, Gary Dickman from ESPN Honolulu, you know, had a chat with him right before the, right after the game and beyond said that he should be good for the next game against UNLV. So that's something good for the university because I think beyond Riley gets a bad rap because offensively he is a little challenged. He has that, you know, hitch in his shot that when you see it, you're like, Oh damn. (laughs) It was kind of funny though, because when you watch it on the North, I was watching, I was at the games on the North shore this past weekend he had the little hitch, but it was like it stopped the defender. <laughs> I don't like so like it's a strategic it, hitch. It was like okay, <laughs> I mean whatever works, man. But I, you're right. I mean, like beyond Riley, he puts in one thousand effort. I that was what it felt like. That was the missing piece for UH because like they got out rebounded. I think forty three to thirty one. You know, offensive rebounds were thirteen and four in favor of Texas A and M Commerce. And there was one possession where they got like three offensive yeah, rebounds. Yeah. So and. Beyond Riley, I I don't know what he averages. I think it's like two point seven rebounds per game, but it feels like a lot more than that when he's on the court. Like he, there was that one game against Yale, he had like five offensive rebounds. Well, with also with rebounds, he also comes in, you know, with defense, and he may not be like the lockdown defender. Like he's not gonna be like Tony Allen or like yeah, uh, but he he's solid, dude. Like he's he puts in the effort, he gets in your face, and he'll take the ball all the way down to to the other side of the hoop. So. He, and he'll pass up the ball because I that's what I've liked this year from him is that he has taken it into transition and not just say, oh, me lay up now. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> and then just break that shot because there were multiple times last year where I'm just like, oh, my God, what are you doing beyond on offense? But this year I've never had that moment yet because the closest I've gotten was, oh, dang, missed shot. Because he pulled up from mid-range. And it's like, sure, you don't want to be pulling up from mid-range. Inefficient shot. Not the best shooter. But I have... I think Beyond Riley is way more important to this team than a lot of people want to... Um, the more people want to confess. Yeah. No, because no question. a lot of people will keep saying that, oh, maybe Timmy should give him a football scholarship. I'm tired of that. Because it's... I think it's disrespectful to be on Riley as a basketball player. Because, yeah, he's big, he's athletic. He is a talented basketball player. And just because he can't hit a jump shot consistently doesn't mean that he's a bad basketball player and has to move to football. Yeah, no, you're right. But Because, I mean, it's not like... Like, maybe the shooting's probably, like, the weak point of his game necessarily. Right. But everything else is solid. Like, I think he's a great rebounder, great def- Maybe not great defender, but good defender. Right. I guess. Like I think I don't I don't know if this was in jest last night because it was followed with a ha ha. But he is kind of like Hawaii's Draymond Green. He doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily want him scoring a lot of points, but he facilitates very well on defense. He puts in the effort to actually do something, and I think having him what he's probably like our eighth seventh guy off the bench he's gotta be like seven because i would say seven harry's probably six hey harry's no your de- justice is six no no no. harry's your definite six i think in my opinion because i would say if as the year goes on i wouldn't be surprised to see the lineup just be the starting five and then off the bench is harry justice and beyond and that's it oh yeah yeah yeah. but i think that's the thing is be like i think harry has played well enough to where he could be deserving of that six first guy off the bench that sort of thing harry's playing enough where i feel like he should just start at the four sometimes yeah that's another you option know, i think because this is going to be another criticism for the team that I think it's the, it's the beginning of the year and the team can only get better from this. Sometimes I feel that Samuta Avea needs to find his rhythm. 
over the last two weeks, he has just not looked good when he's not shooting free throws. Shooting free throws, he's awesome. I just don't think on the offense he's just been able to really find find his role on that offense. Because I think that's kind of like the role that Noel Coleman kind of took. Is that guy where you can give him the ball and he can sh- and he can create his own shot, shoot from the three slash. Because that's some, all stuff that Samuta did a couple years ago when he you know was getting better and better every single year. Right now, I feel like he's falling into that trap that Kamaka Hepa fell into last year, where you would see him just kind of standing there, run across the court, set a screen, stand there for a three. Because I think that's. It's just this trap that this offense feels where one guy is not going to be touching the ball or it looked like he's not going to be doing much. And last year, I felt like for a majority of the year, sometimes it was Komaka Hepa. This year, it feels like it's Samutu Avea that's fallen into that. Yeah, I mean, he's just kind of had that off year, especially these last couple of weeks from the North Shore. You know, I think he's been shooting like nine of his last 35 on right. field goals. But, I mean, he's done a pretty good job defensively and right. as well as carrying the ball up the court. But I think... When your offense struggles that much, it's, it's kind of like it, it takes more of a toll, right? It, I mean, it, thank God he's making his free throws. Yes. He's making up for all the ones that Bernardo's missing right now, <laughs> which is also something that's crazy because last year he was, was, what was he, 72% or something? 79? It was something good. But like this year, it's like scary to see Bernardo go up there sometimes. And I've heard it from Derek Lowe, who was the, uh, the color analyst for ESPN Honolulu alongside Josh Pacheco for men's basketball. It just feels like it's mental because Bernardo can do it. We saw him do it last year, and it could just be a whole thing of just being in your own head. Because, you know, when I go up, when I, whenever I play pickup, I get in my own head sometimes, but I'm not, you know, the Div 1 player. I think Bernardo has touch. He can make mid-ranges. I think he just has to just go up there, just get that shot off and not think about it too much. Yeah, and then you were right. He was 72% last year. I think he's 43 right now. So it's it's really a bit of a regression, I think. But I've, I'm not too sure, though. I, like, that game against Texas State, I feel like Hawaii missed, like, 14 free throws at some point. Yeah. So it, it's not like it's just him necessarily, but, I'm, I mean – you can only go up, really. I, I, I feel, mean, you can go down. You can go down. <laughs> but I think UH, is, UH men's basketball, I think they're still in their – I don't know how to describe it, but I think they're different from – I don't want to say they're the same as women's basketball, but they're, they're, it's almost different because women's basketball is in a transition. They're finding themselves. They're looking for what Laura Beeman calls like a leader, like their Nene Calhoun almost. Right. And they they haven't figured it out, I think. And they're one in six after that loss to Stanford. But Laura Beeman was like, "You, we can't. It's not how you start; it's how you finish." Right, and we saw that last year. Yeah. They started out one and four last year and won the Big West. I don't think that they're a bad team. They have a lot of really great players. Like you said, this team is missing that leader. I think a lot of people, if you look at the box score. And just watch a couple games here and there. You expect it to be Deja Phillips. Just because she kind of felt like the second best offensive piece out there. Like you said, they're missing Nene. Because Nene was a a lot more important piece than a lot of people, I think, realized how important she was. And, of course, no Amy out there is kind of your security blanket. 
Because, yeah, she shot the three very well. Let's not forget she played very good defense. She rebounded really well. She shot from the post. She could play under the basket for us. She was a great all-around player. And right now, there is just a void in scoring sometimes where you want to see, you know, Lily Wahinekapu shine more. Want to see Deja go out more. You want to see maybe even Jovi Lefotu, who's had some opportunities as well off the bench. You want to see more offensive production, but it's just not working out. And you just see that turnover number every single game the last couple of games, and it's just hard to hard to look at. It it hurt them, especially in that first quarter against Stanford. I, when I was I asked, it was they. I think they had six turnovers in the first quarter. They didn't they didn't finish with like a bucket for like. Six minutes until... And, of course, take your grain of salt against Stanford. And also, take it a grain of salt with Florida Gulf Coast. You may not know who Florida Gulf Coast is. They're the second best, like, mid-major team. It would be like University of Hawaii football going against, like, a Cincinnati last year. Yeah, pretty much. So, they're a great team. They get votes in the top 25. And but (laughs) there there was multiple times when I was watching that game where I just see them just take their, like, seventh three in a row, and I just go, like, God, I hate this team. I never want to see this team ever again. I'd never want to see Florida Gulf Coast ever again. They're just going to make me mad. Because <laughs> all, sh- all they do is make threes, and it's very frustrating to watch. <laughs> you're, you're right, though. We take it with a grain of salt, but I feel like those turnovers, they were just sloppy. Like, they were just bad passes, right. bad decisions, and right. it was, like, how how can you do the do this? And it was, they stepped up. I will say they outscored Stanford. I think fifteen to eleven in the quarter. And Stanford, by the way, number two team in the country, really good, <laughs> defending national champions. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, defending national. Yeah, defending national champions. Okay, but it was like, yeah, this is a really good team because it's not like Hawaii was giving them like. It's like if Hawaii was going against, you know. Georgia or Alabama. <laughs> it, it, it was like they were getting really good. They, they weren't getting really good looks. Stanford wasn't. And they were still making them. Because that's one thing I'll say about the Hawaii team is that, you know, we stick up to having a really good defense. I, Amani it, the Perez lowest, has been the, really good. The lowest win, the lowest points for a win for Stanford so far this year. Is that's impressive. Imani Perez has been very good down right. low. And we saw, she actually said after the game, she went up against like, Cameron Brink and Ashton Prechtel in high school or something or club ball, whatever one of the two were. But and I thought she did really good actually, and I think Laura Beeman thought she did good too as well. And the fact that as a true freshman she was able to do this, sky's the limit, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think once we get to conference play, I think that's when we'll see the real Wahine team kind yeah. of like step up because there's a lot that I still like from this team. Lily can still shoot. Deja can still do everything that she was doing last year. I mean, she's had a couple of 20-point games this year. so We haven't even talked about They haven't had Liv Davies for, like, a while. True. So, and they might get – they might. Jackie David had that perfect game yeah. so, a couple of games ago. Like, I think Laura Beeman said she was hopeful to get Olivia Davies back sometime. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I think when we get in the conference play, that is when we'll see what this Rainbow Hina team looks like. Because this team is deep. As much as it needs that leader, we have a lot of really – good players that can come out and just be like, this game, it's going to be Jackie David. This game, it's going to be Lily. This game, it's going to be Jovi. This, day, this game is going to be a McBee. It's, so it could be anyone. 
And that's the fun part about um, the Laura Beeman squad this year. Yeah, and I feel like that's... It could be you. <laughs> it could even be me. <laughs> no, I think they're way better than, than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, if we were out there, they would definitely not be good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a nice point to send it off here. I think it was going to be a fun week as recruiting the recruiting dead period for football ends we have a couple of official visits coming in this week and the next couple of weekends so if you want to stay updated in football recruiting make sure you follow kaleo sports green and black reese nagaoka myself tanner hayworth we'll make sure to try to stay as updated as possible for you guys and yeah is t- like we said tomorrow on ESPN Plus, ESPN Honolulu. Make sure to watch the Rainbow Wahine take on the LSU Tigers. 230 is gonna be first serve. It's if they win that game, then make sure to keep watch for the start time on Saturday against the the winners of Stanford Pepperdine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so far that should be what's going on this weekend. I think so. It's a very lax week. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a nice week. Yeah, I get some nice, time of relax after after the week that we've <laughs> after had after the last two weeks. Oh my god, yeah. Oh. I, I, you, and then I forgot to add that, like every single division one baseball team has released their schedule almost, except for Hawaii. So we kind of have a look at the non conference schedule. Oh yeah. So if you want, go do some sleuthing, figure out what the baseball schedule is going to be. So oh, save you some time. Open obviously. Rich Hill said they're going to open with Wright State. That's February seventeenth, probably to like the twentieth, right? Because that's a four game series. Right. Um, <laughs> Tony Gwynn legacy with Washington State, North Dakota State. That's such a fun classic to do. Yeah, and and also San Diego State. Sorry, but <laughs> sorry, Josh. <laughs> Although to be fair, when they played San Diego State in the Tony Gwynn Classic, that game didn't happen. That's true. It was a game after the Tony Gwynn Classic that it happened. And then I want to make sure I double check this because I believe they aren't. They haven't been. UH hasn't confirmed they're in the Cambria College Classic at US Bank Stadium, but I feel like I think Nebraska and maybe Maryland have confirmed that UH they will play UH. Um, so it's going to be Minnesota on the first day, Nebraska on the second day, Maryland on the third day, and then after that you have a series against against UConn at Les Murakami before they open against Cal Poly on the road. We open versus Cal Poly. Yeah, that's that's West. different. I think usually close against Cal Poly. I th- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it works. That's what Cal Poly put on their schedule, but I will double check that. And it's also, by the way, if you got if you didn't know this Minnesota classic we're talking about, and if you heard Reese say U.S. Bank Stadium, yeah, Minnesota Vikings. We they play on the football field. Yeah, and no, they don't remove the football field. It's kind of like the Metrodome, right? It, it has it's the same setup. Yeah, except the football lines are still there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gonna, like the opposite of the pinstripe ball. God, it's going to be awkward when you have like a rundown and you have like Stone Meow chasing a guy for a touchdown. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> or, um, picked off, picked off by... <laughs> or, um, you know, what, what is it? You get like, um, like Aaron Ujimori stealing home, but he's also going for the pylon. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a fun season. I'm really excited for Hawaii baseball. Yeah. You know, you saw a lot of guys leave, but a lot of guys stay. 
So that's always a lot of fun. It, it should be fun. I think we're going to get a couple of new guys too, right? I think Rich Hill did a couple. Rich Hill and his team did a fall camp with about I don't know. What we're getting our own Shohei Otani. That's next. Is that next year? Or I think that's this? next year. But that's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, because he's high, very highly rated. Yeah, I think, very right? highly rated. So that's... as I wear my Shohei Otani jersey to the <laughs> podcast recording, as, that's. I'm not going to call him the next Shohei Otani. I'm just saying that because I'm, he's Japanese. <laughs> I, no, but you might be right though, because I think he's two way. He's a two way. I think because I thought he was two way, but I'm like scared. To, I have like, to double check, but I feel like somebody said he was a two way, and I think that's yeah and. I think that's a damn. So I'm safe to say. It. I'm yeah. safe to say. It. I, I I'll back you up on that. And, and I am half Japanese, by the way. <laughs> preface, preface, preface. I'm curious. So who who gets that recruit? Is that Dan Cox or is that Dave Nakama? Gotta be Dan, right? Could be Dave Cox. <laughs> Dan Nakama, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they could split it, or they they could do a, a good old coin flip. Coin flip. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great time to step off because if I wait five more minutes, I'll get a ticket. I think I have to go to class in about office. fifteen minutes. Too. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the ticketing office. I played that game for a month and I uh, unfortunately <laughs> lost the last time we did the podcast. <laughs> just to just to to uh, be safe for work, you you've messed around and found out. <laughs> yeah, I have messed around and I have found out. So look, ticketing office. I think we could chill out. If I'm Dude. like five minutes okay. after my thing expires, I think you can wait like two this minutes. This gets better. Okay, so I know we're on a timer, but I'll make this quick. Yesterday, my one of my classmates parked in the architecture lot, had to pay, and they almost ticketed her while she was buying her ticket. That's how like quick they on it. That's so dumb. Yeah, it is. They're on it, dude. And I then they're like, it. "Sorry, you can't refute it." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Parking here is wild, guys. That's why I don't know. Be excited for 17,000 seats next year. 15,000 seats. See how that works But only 3,000 stalls in zone 20. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see We'll that. figure it out. It'll work out. You can take the bus. <laughs> hey, we have like the best bus in the nation. That's true. And on that note, thank you very much for listening to the Green and Black Podcast. Tanner Hayworth, Reese Nagaoka, follow Kaleo, oh, Hawaii, Kaleo Sports, the Green and Black Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to us. Aloha.